Hello everyone, I'm Dalton Burdett. I'm Nick Iricchio. And we are the Movie Knights. Well, some of them. If you're watching this because you want to hear our uncensored, unfiltered thoughts and opinions in the world of movies and entertainment, so kick back, relax, and the Movie Knights Roundtable begins now. How you doing today, Nicholas? Good. How about you, my friend? I'm doing well. You ready to get this show on the road? Absolutely. So we're going to start off with the movie news section of our show, where we kind of break down stories in the trades and tell you, the people, what's going on in the movie world. Nicholas, what do you got for us first? Our first story comes to us from Variety. Uh, Given the hugely divisive response to The Last Jedi, that had a hugely divisive response. What? Uh, Many people felt the rise of Skywalker retconning Rey's no-one parentage and trying her lineage back to Palpatine was a deliberate choice made by Lucasfilm to satisfy the fandom. Ray herself, Daisy Ridley, recently weighed in on the retcon debate during an interview with Rolling Stone. So, yeah, basically this article comes out and, uh, you know, because sometimes you wake up and you choose violence, and that's what I did when I put this story in the little Google Drive that we have. <laughs> um, so, basically, um, uh, oh my God, Daisy Ridley, mm-hmm. the actress who plays Ray. Was uh, she's promoting another project, and they asked her kind of about that, about the kind of the retconning of Last Jedi and to Rise of Skywalker, so on and so forth. And this is what she had to say. Well, JJ was the one who was like, she is no one. So it wasn't the Last Jedi where that was the message. Ridley said, "What was interesting about the last one for me was that you can be a hero and not come from anywhere, or you can be a hero and come from literally the worst person in the universe. You're not your parents, you're not your grandparents, you're not your bloodline, and you're not the generations before you." So I was always like, sure, but that's beyond my pay grade. So, <laughs> first of all, what a great PR response. What trilogy had it worse? <laughs> Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, and Oscar Isaac, or Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill, Gal Gadot? <laughs> who did have it worse? No, but um, uh, this isn't really movie news per se, but I wanted to bring it up just because it's a fun little debate mm-hmm. about um, where everything was going. And it's because, you know, we've said for a long time on the show that Last Jedi was not the movie that brought up Rey being a no one. That was seeded from the beginning mm-hmm. with J.J. Abrams. And like that storyline continuing was one of the few things that was part of the plan. <laughs> and Rise of Skywalker, you know, a movie that was made by a boardroom of people who begged someone to come direct it for them. J.J. coming back, being a good, a good old boy, was where they kind of retconned everything and did everything again. But I do like Daisy Ridley's response of, hey, at least the story now is you you aren't your family if they're bad people. You can choose to be separate from them. You can choose your family. Mm-hmm. Even though the original story was you don't have to come from anyone to be special, which to me, I was really liking that storyline when they decided to change it. But I do think it's interesting that Daisy Ridley did very adamantly at the beginning of the quote be like, it wasn't Last Jedi that did that. That was always going to be a thing until mm-hmm. the very, very end. So what are your thoughts on these comments? And do, do you think it's going to, wake up the internet to more Star Wars debate. I think what's interesting, too, is she said, no, 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 not Last Jedi. Yeah. Which makes me think that the cast and everyone was always on board with Last Jedi. Yeah. And they liked everything about it. So she was like, no, that is not a slight against it. Mm -hmm. I also, I think that the no one storyline is so much more interesting than what we... It is. Got. It is. But it seemed like they really needed, like, nope, it's got to be Skywalkers versus Palpatines. Yeah. That's the way it goes. Yeah, yeah. Um. And especially, like, everything they set up with The Last Jedi, like, the little kids on the planets, Mm -hmm. like, all that kind of thing. Yeah. Which I was really interested in. Yeah. Like, I liked that a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they just reacted too harshly to 
fandom outcry and delivered something that was not great in the finale. Yeah. At least with Last Jedi, they tried to do something different. Yeah. And I like, give them that. And with me, The Last Jedi, I really like the movie. The only thing I don't like about the movie mm-hmm. is everything on Canto Bite was a waste of time. That was the casino place? Yeah. yeah. To, to me, I just didn't enjoy that parts of the movie. Yeah. And I thought that this was the beginning of the Finn character getting shafted. And they continued shafting him in Rise of Skywalker. I also didn't like what they did with Leia in Last Jedi. Yes, me like neither. Yeah. But um, but but at the same time, oh yeah, the space Mary Poppins was not a big fan of. Yeah. The idea of her using the Force finally was cool, but how they did it, I didn't enjoy. That was that. not. It felt like not the place. Not for the it. best yeah. way. Um, I liked everything they did with Luke. I know that's the big one, mm-hmm. but like I thought that storyline was great. I do think that it makes more of an impact if he was actually there fighting, but at the same time. The whole point of that story is that he's a myth and that the story of Luke Skywalker showing up there, even when he wasn't, is good, is what's going to spread hope. Like, yeah, that was the point of the story. So while I think it, I would have enjoyed it more if he was there, story-wise, it totally tracks as to why he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Him dying randomly because he used all his power, I can do without that. People, I feel like people would have liked Last Jedi a lot more if they just would have made Duel of the Fates. Because, man, I read that script, and it was fucking cool. That was a very cool <laughs> it script. It was a very cool script. Uh, for those that don't know, Duel of the Fates was the original title of Star Wars Episode Nine back was back when it was going to be made by Colin Trevorrow. Mm-hmm. The script is online, if you can find it. It's good. I, I enjoyed it. Just a Google. Yeah. You should be able to pull it up if they haven't taken them all down yet. Yeah. Or just reach out to me. I have it. I'll send it to you. <laughs> don't reach out to me. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, no, it was... Um, I just thought these comments were interesting, and I think as time goes on... We're going to hear a lot more. I wonder how long these NDAs are because I'd love for someone at like in those rooms to just be like, all right, so here's exactly how they reacted to each movie and the decisions that were made yeah. and go on from there. So I think the issue, like I think that Last Jedi builds off of Force Awakens fine. I do too. I just don't agree with every choice they made. I think yeah. the issue was not doubling down and trying to just get rid of Last Jedi entirely. Yeah. When I watched Nine, I thought I'm, I skipped a movie. Mm-hmm. It felt like I skipped a movie. Yeah. Well, because everything they set up in Force Awakens, let's say, it's okay, well, now we can go Route A or we can go Route B. And they just went Route B. And they went Route B the whole time, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But then last uh, uh, Rise of Skywalker feels like we're picking up at the end of Last Jedi if they went with the A route. Yeah, and they didn't go with the A route. No. And uh, honestly, my biggest disappointment with Rise of Skywalker was, and there are things in that movie I do enjoy, Mm -hmm. but... My biggest disappointment was not even the Ray thing with because I I did prefer her being no one. Yeah, it's not even Palpatine coming back. Somehow, somehow. <laughs> Palpatine returned. But uh, it's I was so ready for Kylo Ren to not be somebody's bitch, mm-hmm. which is what I loved about the Last Jedi is we were finally gonna get a villain that had no leash. Yeah, for for Episode Nine. And it was just going to be him doing his own thing, not with the Sith, not with the Jedi, not with the, um, um, oh my God, not the Knights Empire, but the, uh, the first order, first order. Thank you. Like just a rogue thing. Yeah. I was so stoked about that, and it was set up beautifully in Last Jedi. And then they, and him immediately just submitting to the Emperor. I was like, God fucking damn it! You know, like that, that aside too, as that would have been cool. I think that Kylo Ren's arc and storyline is the best working the, thing that of was it. Like the that's, one that came out the best it still made out all right yeah regardless mm-hmm. of, i like i like what you said about the setup of the rogue and stuff but mm-hmm. with what we got it wasn't bad on yeah specifically his arc yeah i agree mm-hmm. i agree completely 
But uh, but yeah, just wanted to um, add some fuel to the internet fire today at the start of the show. Uh, <laughs> moving on to the actual movie news, Nick, what you got for us next? Our next story comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter. The buzz had been building for more than two weeks, Dalton. Oh. A new project from Zach Krieger. Oh, yeah. The out-of-nowhere filmmaker behind the cult horror hit Barbarian was coming. In the 24 hours after Krieger's new horror project Weapons was sent to Hollywood Studios, a brief but intense bidding war exploded, and we just as quickly, love a, bidding war. a whopper of a deal was made. Oh, please do tell. That's where the quote ends for uh, me. Yeah. I thought it was going to be like, <laughs> a whopper of a deal was made. And dun, tell us what it was, Dalton. Dun, dun, dun. dun, so, dun, dun. Yes, first of all, an out-of-nowhere filmmaker, I'll have you know, writer of this article, I've been watching Why Does Kid You Know for years. I've known who Zach Krieger is. Come on, Zach Krieger, whatever his fucking name is. I've known. His I've best role him. is still Abraham Lincoln. Absolutely it is. A thousand percent. Um, so yes, a eight-figure deal to write and direct this new movie has been underway from New Line and Warner Brothers. Zaslav is not fucking around when it comes to horror. Uh, pulling more from the article, closing World War negotiations Tuesday, New Line won the rights to weapons, signing a deal that seems unprecedented in modern times, especially for a filmmaker with essentially just one movie under his belt. Yes, there is the money. Eight figures to write and direct, according to sources. The numbers are more than double the entire budget of his previous movie. That alone is remarkable and harkens back to the older era of Hollywood, where spec sales cause weekend bidding war frenzies. But there's more. Billy Mays. But wait! <laughs> there's a guaranteed green light. There's Krieger receiving final cut pending a threshold is met during test screenings. And there's a controlling interest in the back end pot. And of course, there's a guarantee of a theatrical release. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a fucking hell of a deal. Oh my god! That's like something Nolan could get. Yeah, that's crazy. And yeah. like, and here's the thing: not only is it a hell of a deal money-wise, like usually you get the money or control. You never get both. Like yeah. the fact that this, he's getting both is fucking nuts, nuck and futs. Mm-hmm. This is awesome. Good for Zach Krieger. Love this guy. Loved Barbarian. Allegedly, I don't know if this is true or not. Allegedly, there's going to be an animated "Why Does Kids You Know" movie that Trevor Moore recorded for before he died. Oh, which I'm all about because I miss that show and I love it so much. Nicholas, what are your thoughts on this bidding war deal? I mean, listen, I loved Barbarian. Same, but like th- the idea of Barbarian having spawned this big of a deal is insane to me because it did well. Mm-hmm. I think it did. 40 million off a 4 million budget? I think so. Something, something like that. around there. So yeah. it made money and he did a lot with a little, if mm-hmm. that's the case. But like a multi figure instant green light, like all that stuff. Like with Final Cut? They wanted him, yeah. which is wild. I mean, not wild because it was a good movie, but like that big of a deal, like I would not. Like Jordan Peele didn't even get that after Get Out, which mm-hmm. I would argue was more successful and better movie. Yeah. Again, 100%. I love Barbarian, yeah, but yeah. I mean, just, you know, with what Get Out did, you know. So that was what's so cool, but I'm happy for him. Yeah. And I hope that he can handle big budgeted stuff like that. Because, I mean, if he's getting $10 million just to write and direct, the budget mm-hmm. of this has to be sizable. Oh, yes. And not only that, I think that this goes to show that Warner Brothers is trying very hard to backtrack the claims of scaring filmmakers away to being mm-hmm. like, no, 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 no. Back in history, we were the filmmaker studio, and that's what we're trying to be again under their new leadership. I don't think there's any info about the project either, right? Not really. So people are just... I mean, not public. Not public. Oh, yeah. yeah. The studios read it. You yeah. Know. That's wild. 
Like, look now, did he also sign some sort of multi-picture deal, or is this just not as like of a first now. look? Or is as it... of now, it's a first look. If you keep reading the article, it says that if this movie does well, that they'll probably sign him to a multi-picture or like a, um, oh my gosh, a first look deal. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, he's like, this is great. What do you guys think about Zach Krieger, the director of Barbarian, making this deal with New Line and Warner Brothers? And are you excited for his upcoming film, Weapons? Let us know in the comments as we move on to our next story. Nicholas, what you got for us next? Our next story also comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter, as well as with Warner Brothers. Uh, oh. Speaking of trying to uh, reconnect with filmmakers, uh, as Warner Brothers Pictures continues to find its footing under new management, the studio on Thursday secured the services of a cornerstone filmmaker. Signing a first look deal with its Elvis director, writer, producer, Boz Lerman. Yes. So um, anyone who's familiar with Boz Lerman knows he's a very particular filmmaking style, very sporadic editing, usually involving music, mm-hmm. Moulin Rouge amazing i hate the first 20 minutes of that movie i think the rest of it's a masterpiece it's kind of like elvis <laughs> El- well elvis is just i think elvis was too long yeah i think if you cut like 45 minutes out of the movie you got like the best picture nomination that it actually deserved and not the one that it got but um i'm gonna say this his romeo and juliet is the best romeo and juliet movie ever the one with leonardo dicaprio did he also do Great Gatsby, Bob Lerman? He did. Hell yeah. <laughs> I think he's one of the only people who understands that Romeo and Juliet is a comedy. And if you treat it as anything else, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. How much better is West Side Story if it's funny? Just hear me out. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um... But yeah, the article goes on to explain uh, that uh, Baz Luhrmann has signed the first look deal with Warner Brothers, and this came right on the heels of it getting eight Academy Award nominations. If your movie gets eight Academy Award nominations, people are probably going to want to scoop you up and keep you, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's just one of those things where um, I'm kind of surprised it didn't happen sooner. I'm going to pull a direct quote from Deadline. Baz Luhrmann is one of the most singular filmmakers in modern cinema, and we couldn't be more excited to announce that Warner Brothers is continuing our association with him, DeLuca and Abdi said. Those are the um, heads of Warner Brothers Pictures division. Mm -hmm. The massive success of Elvis, which helped drive audiences of all ages and a whole new generation back to theaters, proves Baz remains ahead of the curve and at the forefront of the pop culture zeitgeist. Listen. That's no argument there. Elvis did make more money than it should have, I think. Mm -hmm. And with the COVID times being what they are. And I think after Avatar, even movies are back, baby. Especially if you look at the upcoming calendar this year, holy shit. I mean, just in the next few weeks, we have Ant-Man, Cocaine Bear, Creed 3. Oh, oh yeah, we do. I'm so fucking excited. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a good year. But what, what do you think about Boss Lerman signing this deal? And do you think it was a good move on Warner Brothers? Again, Warner Brothers signing up filmmakers. I mean, I think it's great. I think that um, I've seen most of what he's done outside of Moulin Rouge, I haven't seen. Uh, but I liked all his stuff. I know his style is very intense and a lot, but sometimes that's what's fun about going to the movies. Oh, yes. is just to be visually overstimulated. Yes, sometimes we need Banshee's Vinishirin, and sometimes we need Space Jam too. What do you guys think of Boz Lerman signing this deal with Warner Brothers? Let us know in the comments as we move on to our next story. Nicholas, what do you got for us next? Uh, our next story comes to us also from The Hollywood Reporter. <laughs> Uh, without directly naming Andrea Risenborough, 
uh, whose unexpected Best Actress Oscar nomination on Tuesday for the indie To Leslie has sparked widespread conversation and questions about the grassroots campaign that led up to it. The Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Scientists, in a statement issued Friday, appeared to acknowledge that and is looking into the matter. Yes, so basically what's been going on is um, if you were watching the Academy Award nominations, you were very surprised to hear the name Andrea Riseborough be announced as one of the Best Actress nominees um, for a movie that made only $27,000 at the U.S. box office. Mm-hmm. Everyone's kind of just like, oh, came really out of nowhere. I wonder what went down. Well, that movie screened somewhere where a lot of celebrities were there in attendance, and they really liked the movie, and were talking about it. And then one of the people involved in the movie, I want to say it's a producer, has a lot of f- famous people connections and said, hey, you know, so-and-so saw the movie, please watch the movie, and if you do, can you please talk about it on social media, please push the movie, you know, we really want to try to get attention on the movie, mm-hmm. and and then they realized that Andrea Riseborough was getting a lot of the buzz, so then her strategy shifted to telling people, like, hey, make sure, like, if you watch this movie and you like it, please talk about how great she is, please, you know, let people know, let's get the word out about her, and that just kind of seems like standard campaigning, there doesn't seem to be anything wrong with that, right? It's just, hey let's market and get buzz out about our movie. That's standard Oscar campaigning type of stuff. Well, the Oscars and campaigning, they do have rules. And I'm going to pull up a rule that some are believing that this campaign might have been in violation of. And if that's the case, they could potentially rescind the nomination, which hasn't happened many times in the past. Here is what the rule is. It's called the Francis Fisher Problem. Rule 11, which concerns references to other nominees and carries a one-year suspension of membership for first-time offenders. Ads, mailings, websites, social media, or any other forms of public communication by anyone directly associated with an eligible film attempting to cast a negative or derogatory light on competing film or achievements will not be tolerated. B. Any particular, any tactic that singles out the competition by name or title is expressly forbidden. Here is what happened. In one of those emails, this is what they said. To my fellow actors in the Academy, Andrea Riceborough can concern Oscar nomination if 218 out of 1,302 actors in the actors branch nominate her for the position for Best Actress. Seems to be that Viola, Michelle, Danielle, and Kate are all locks for their work. They named other people. Mm. And you can't do that. However... A situation very similar to this happened in 2004. I don't remember the name of the person who was nominated. Please correct me in all the comments. But in 2004, a situation very similar happened, except not with social media. It was with newspaper ads where they mentioned competition, and the nomination was not rescinded. So there is a standard practice of not pulling this nomination. Mm -hmm. However, people in Hollywood suck, (laughs) and they get jealous and mad quickly. And not only that... So here's, I'm going to tell you why the nomination won't get rescinded, and I'm going to tell you why it will. Mm-hmm. Why it won't, I think what they're really looking for is were they talking derogatory and mean about the other nominees? Because if that was the case, that I, to me, that's a different story. You know, part A of that rule. Well, it seems like they hadn't from the email because they said yeah. these people are all a lock, which if yeah. anything is positive. Praise, yes. Yeah. But then it gets more vague in saying you shouldn't mention competition at all, mm-hmm. and they directly did that. Now, does competition mean movies or does competition mean the actors? Exactly. Yeah. Now, with that being said, why it will get rescinded, that's why I think it won't get rescinded because nothing mean was said. Why I think it will get rescinded, the other part of my brain, is 
Hollywood's a nasty town, man. Those people who are pissed off about this. You think the person who sent those email have connections? The people who read them have more connections. So it's going to be a thing. I honestly, I don't think this is going to end in a rescinded nomination, but I do think it might see a slight change in the rules for campaigning. So you think it'll be an, a, a brief exception because it's creating a new rule? I think so. Sort of thing. Well, because yeah. also the thing is, I mean, when you say... Because then, because basically, yeah. if they rescind the nomination, it's sending the message of, if you don't have the money to do the other proper Oscar campaigns, then don't try. Mm-hmm. That That's the message it sends, and I don't think that's a message they want to portray. Well, you also mentioned a few people who also were not nominated mm-hmm. in that email. Margot Robbie, mm-hmm. uh, Viola Davis mm-hmm. being a big one. Yeah. You know, are their teams pissed? Probably. That they're going to... You know what I mean? So yeah. where does it... Now, if something like this happened, like, let's say, hypothetically, the nomination gets rescinded. Yeah. Are there now just four nominees, or do they plug in a fifth? That's a great question. I actually don't know. Um, Part of me thinks, because how the nominations work is... Imagine waking up to a tweet. Like, if if they nominate Viola Davis, it's just like the Academy tweets out, and we're rescinding the nomination, Viola Davis is nominated. Yeah. That's not fun. Yeah, it's not fun. But, But I think... One or two things will happen. One, they'll just be four nominees. Mm-hmm. Or two, they look at the number of votes and like the five people nominated are first, second, third, fourth, and fifth place. Yeah. And they'll just go who was sixth and put that person in. Mm-hmm. It's probably what happened. I mean, I don't know. It's one or the other. Either I didn't know it was just a numbers game like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, That's kind of how it is. Now, how Best Picture, how you nominate Best Picture is weird. It's a tiered system. So... You pick 10 nominees, but you pick which one is your first choice, your second choice, and third choice. And you have to have a certain number of those votes oh. to get nominated. It's pretty crazy, like, how it works. Because Best Picture is works different than the other branches. Just a quick thing. For the Oscar nominees, there's over 10,000 voting members. But how the nominations work, like, let's go actors, for example. The acting no- portion of the Academy nominates the actors. Mm-hmm. the writing portion of the academy nominates the writers directing directors production design costume all that everyone votes for best picture nominees everyone mm-hmm. and everyone votes for winners after the nominees happen uh so nominations are in the groups but are in the branches everyone. yeah okay huh can you write can you nominate yourself or, like, or vote for yourself? I don't, I'm not going to quote that. I don't know. I just assumed, yeah. Like, I know Edgar Wright is a voting member of the Academy. Is mm-hmm. he allowed to vote for himself if his movies get Maybe. nominated? I actually don't know. That's a gr- Someone in the comments should let us know that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Huh. I don't think it'll get rescinded. I don't think so, either. I think if it did, it sends more of a negative message than if it wasn't. You know what I mean? Because it shows that just because you don't have the money means you can't win. Exactly. When it should be based off of merit. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Merit and getting the word out, which is what they did. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you guys think about the Andrea Rice Bureau campaign kind of going under investigation by the Academy? Let us know in the comments as we move on to the B-roll section of our show. What is the B-roll? That's an extension of the movie news section of our show where we just kind of give rapid fire headlines and quick thoughts because we didn't have time to dive into the stories, but we still wanted to let you know what's coming. Nick, what's up first on the B-roll? Our first B-roll story comes to us from Variety. The Madonna biopic that we previously reported on on the show is no longer happening because Madonna was actually going to direct it. And she said, now I'm going on a world tour instead. Let's all be happy she's no longer married to Guy Ritchie. Next. (laughs) Oh, Julia Garner was set to star as well from Ozark and all that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Next story comes to us from The Wrap. 
as it is loading, Violent Night 2 is in the works from Tommy Wercola. We have time to really crack the script and figure out the story, the director told The Wrap. Violent Night is 2022's Bad Santa meets Die Hard action movie, which is a sleeper hit, making more than $75 million globally on a budget of 25 Fuck yeah. So yeah, that makes sense. We're getting a sequel. I was a fine with it. It was an enjoyable movie. Quite fun. I'm just happy David Harbour's getting more work. Because that's I'm where it comes at. I'm happy too. also. And yes, bring on Violent Night 2. Violent Nighter. Go <laughs> on. Um, our next story comes to us from Variety. Uh, this is a quick one. Uh, the WGA, the Writers Guild of America, nominations came out. Uh, so I just wanted to quickly announce the uh, nominees for Best Original Screenplay and Best Adapted Screenplay. So for Original Screenplay, we have Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, The Menu, Nope and tar and for adapted screenplay we have black panther wakanda forever glass onion and knives out mystery she said top gun maverick and women talking why weren't these the oscar nominees go on <laughs> they're so much cooler i stand by the menu and nope i had nope for screenplay on you my did. predictions you did. um our last B-roll story is kind of a two-parter here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, best known for Fleabag, and the upcoming Indiana Jones and the Relic of Time? The Dial of Destiny. Dial of Destiny. It was a good try, though. I tried. <laughs> uh, she has officially renewed her Amazon overall deal. Uh, she's developing a uh, movie called Sign Here or a TV show uh, called Sign Here, as well as you know Fleabag. Uh, but one of the other projects they announced was that she is prepping a Tomb Raider TV series for Amazon. She will write the uh, script for the project. Um, No word on if she would be in it or any involvement outside of writing. All I'm going to say about this is I love Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I love Feedback. It's one of the best TV shows I've ever seen. Please watch it if you haven't. And uh, Tomb Raider needs a better adaption, so I'm all about this. Let's do it. Right on. And ladies and gentlemen, that's the fucking B-roll. Thank you to the neighbor who won't stop hammering shit above us. I don't know if you can hear that. I hope you can't, but we can, and goddamn, it's annoying. (laughs) And with that down, we are now going to move on to the box office. The box office. Section of our show where we break down the top five domestic box office while also diving into more numbers specifically to tell you guys what's going on. So, do you have our predictions from last week? Yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dalton, you had Avatar, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, Megan, A Man Called Otto, and Missing. Okay. And I had Avatar, Megan, Puss in Boots, Missing, and Otto. Interesting, interesting. We were both wrong. Right on. Here is the top five box office of last week. Number one, Avatar, The Way of Water. Whoa. Yuck, right? Or should I say, wow. Oh, for its seventh week in a row. Number two, Puts and Boost, The Last Wish. Number three, A Man Called Otto. Number four, Megan. And number five, Pathan. It's an Indian film that opened in America, and it opened higher than Missing in its second weekend. Can you spell that for me? Yes. P-A-T-H-A-A-N. P-A-T-H-A-N. All right. Yeah. And I know Cinemark showed it, because they always showed the Indian films while we were there, and they Mm -hmm. always sold out. Always. So let's dive into these box office numbers a bit more specifically. Avatar only dropped 22% from week six to week seven. And fun fact, a movie has not been first place seven weeks in a row since Avatar 1. (laughs) James Cameron just out here breaking his own records. He's just fucking balling, dude. It's like every Oscar nomination John Williams gets is yeah. just beating himself. Yeah, exactly. And also, speaking of records broken from Avatar films, this movie now has $2.116 billion worldwide, making it the fourth highest grossing movie in history, passing 
Star Wars The Force Awakens, and th- three of the top five movies, three of the top four now, three of the top four movies of all time are directed by James Cameron. And it's possible that this passes Titanic to be three, and Avatar movies would be one and three. And also the only filmmaker to have three two, $2 billion, billion dollar movies. movies. Yep, correct. He's a madman. <laughs> he is a madman. Uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, dropped 10% from week five to week six, making another $10 million. And worldwide box office totals $334 million. wonder if that got, I mean, it's a great movie. I wonder if it got a bump uh, since it's uh, the Oscar, Oscar nomination. nomination. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe. Also, I don't know if I said Avatar's amount this weekend. It was $15 million. Um, A Man Called Auto dropped 23% from week four to week five, hanging in there. Uh, it also opened in 155 more theaters. Uh, it made $6 million, 6.7, and it is now at a $70 million worldwide box office. It's probably starting to break even about now. I, uh, Tim how, Honks. How did it make that much? Tim Honks. That's People fair. love Tom Honks. Tam Honks. Tam Honks. Tam Honks. Coming Christ. in fourth, Megan, $6.3 million, dropping 34% from week three to week four, with a worldwide total of $146 million on a budget of 12. That's what we like to see. Um, and Pathan, which made, uh, let's see, $5.9 million. Good for them. Uh, worldwide has $47 million, obviously making majority of its money outside the U.S. And um, Missing came in sixth, and it was at $5.6 million. So there's a chance that five and six get flipped. We'll always put the final Monday box offers numbers in the description as you're watching the video. But yeah, Plane unfortunately came in seventh. It has made twenty nine million worldwide so far. So if Avatar comes in first next weekend, does it now be a record holder of? That's eight? a great question. I don't remember how many weeks Avatar one was in a row. Oh, okay. I just know no one has done it since Avatar. Yeah, so at least seven. Yeah. Okay. Now Spider Man No Way Home yeah. did have seven weeks at number one, but it would go back and forth. With one, one and, and two. two. I forget what else came out, but something big came out, and they would hop back and forth. Mm-hmm. Here's the question, though. <laughs> Does Knock at the Cabin kick it? Because Avatar got $15 million. Mm-hmm. Let's get so lower. So then the question is, does Knock at the Cabin open more than 15 Mm-hmm. Solid question. Maybe. This is good. This is good, good questions. We all know 80 for Brady becomes number one. Absolutely. That's just a fact. A thousand percent. Uh, so, yeah, let's go ahead and predict <clears throat> next week. Yeah, let me get my notes out here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you go first. All right, well, I'm going to go. You know what? Call me crazy. I'll do it. I'll dethrone Cameron. I'll go knock at the cabin. Okay. I'm going to go Avatar second. Okay. I'm going to go... I'm going to go Puss in Boots. I'm going to go Megan. And I'm going to go 80 for Brady. Ooh. I like that. I like that. Okay. This is tough, Nicholas. Go on. I'm also going to go knock at the cabin number one. I think that it's been enough time. Mm-hmm. If if knock at the cabin does not do it, it will be Ant-Man when Ant-Man comes out. Oh, yeah. Ant-Man's guaranteed. Yeah. yeah but, but I don't think anything else comes out that will knock it off other than Ant-Man. If, if not knock at the cabin. Yeah. Knock at the cabin number one. Avatar number two, Puss in Boots number three, A Man Called Otto number four, Megan number five. Mm. Right on. Man Called Otto's been having those low holds, man. 
It has, but you don't think 80 for Brady can... I think the core top. audience that's going to go see 80 for Brady is going to wait for them to watch it at home. What do you mean the core audience? I'm seeing it on Thursday. I know, but I'm saying <laughs> the core audience is going to be our parents, our parents' oh, parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the only thing they came out to see were Top Gun and Elvis. They didn't see fucking anything else. <laughs> and I don't know if 80 for Brady will necessarily get them to the theater. But they like that Tom Brady. They do love they that do Tom love Brady. That they Tom love the Brady. ladies in that film. However, mm-hmm. I think that's one of those things where it's like, oh, I can't wait to watch that on my couch. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. But hey, I'd love to be wrong. Nick, I would love for 80 to eighty for Brady to open to number fucking one. I would love that more than anything in the world. There's no way. It's just not going to happen. No. But yeah, those are my predictions. Right on. And with that, we're now going to move on to the movie review section of our show. And hey, how the tables have turned. My, my, my. I have failed you all. I saw the movie. And then my car broke down right after. It was a hell of a night. But. Did you, uh. To dip your toe into the infinity pool. Oh, I saw the the infinity pool, good sir. He refused to tell me anything about it at this point, so everything he's going to say, I am hearing for the first time. That's right, I didn't talk he about refused. it. I kept going, how was it? And you would just change the subject. That's funny. I don't think you intended to either. I think your brain just scattered. Yep, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Listen, if you know anything about me, when my car goes down, forget all sense of rational thought. But uh, But anyway, infinity pool. This film is directed by the son of uh, David Cronenberg. Yes. And I believe his son's name is... Brandon. Brandon Cronenberg. Thank you. Um, so you, you know the type of movie that you're going to get when you watch it? I did not enjoy this movie. Does he very much follow his dad's kind of style? or just Yes and no. You just know you're getting something fucked up. In that sense, yes. You okay. know you're getting something fucked up, but his style was very different. It was more experimental than his father. Um... And I don't think – here's what I'm going to say. If if I'm not going to enjoy your movie, at least make it unique and not boring and bland. Mm-hmm. And this movie is anything but that. The movie is not boring. It's not bland. It's very much its own style, its own thing, has its own identity. It just didn't quite fully work for me. Mm-hmm. But I, let me talk about positive things, though, first. First of all, Mia Goth, amazing in the movie. Skarsgård, I forget which one it is. Alexander. Alexander Skarsgård, amazing in the movie. Most of the performances are great. There are some not so great, but those two crush it in the film. Um, the actual plot of the film, which I'll reveal, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure the trailers even reveal the plot of the film. The plot of the film is fucking awesome. Like, it's dark. The plot is very dark and v- makes you think, and is very interesting. They just, to me, they fumbled the ball in the execution. Okay. But the plot of the film and the two lead performances were really, really good. Liked them. There is shock value for the sake of shock value, and I don't think it's necessary for the story, which kind of also follows in his father's footsteps, which to some point, like, my audience were laughing. And you, I don't think you were supposed to. And uh, now there's some where you are supposed to, and we did. But there are some where you certainly were not supposed to, and then they did. You know, oh my God, you know what this movie reminds me of? The entire runtime reminds me of the first half of Mandy. Oh, okay. It's kind of like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Not as much as the first half of Mandy, but it's very much that style of movie. To tie it back, a great Andrea Riseborough performance in yes, Mandy. Yes, correct. Okay, but yeah, like the solid color, like just kind of... Not even the visual style, but yeah. just like the type of movie it is. The type of feeling you have. Mm-hmm. It's just that. Okay. And 
they do have some experimental sequences in there. By the way, there's an NC-17 cut of this movie that I do want to see <laughs> after like, watching it. Like, is that confirmed or are you yeah. just... Oh, okay. Yeah. And I do want to see it. Mm-hmm. Just to... Because, like, I watched the R-rated. I'm like, what could have been worse? <laughs> but... Because there's some... Gr- it's gruesome. It's gruesome as balls, this mm-hmm. movie. Um, But, yeah, it's... It's a very unique style, very unique stamp. It just didn't quite push the right buttons for me. Um, it was paced fine. What I liked about the film is the characters were very distinct. Like Mia Goth's character, it, without getting into spoilers, if they recasted Harley Quinn down the line, I would want Mia Goth to play her, and it's because of this performance and the type of character she is in this story. Not even Pearl? I mean... Pearl's great, mm-hmm. and you could see it there. But, yeah. like, this is the one where I'm like, I see it. Like, I see when other people talk about it. It's this performance. Okay. And um, because she controls – there's a scene – the inciting incident of the movie really kicks it off and is interesting, and she controls what's going on. Like, her character kind of steps up. And just seeing that shift, that change in her character was really interesting. And now for those that don't want to know the plot of the movie at all, I'm not, I'm literally just telling you the plot of the movie. I'm not going to tell you any spoilers, but I, I don't think the plot's been advertised. So if you don't want to know it, click away now. Thank you so much. But the plot of this movie is this. A bunch of rich people are at a um, third world country on vacation and they can't leave the little vacation suite. They're told it's too dangerous. Do not leave it. Don't. Mia Goth so Skarsgård's there with his wife. Mia Goth's there with her husband. Him and Mia Goth kind of have a will-they-won't-they they affair kind of thing going on. And then sh- they invite them to go outside of the resort with them because they go every year, and it's this nice little beach they want to go to, right? Like, sure. They go to the beach. The inciting incident happens. I won't explain what it is. They get arrested. And the crime is pretty bad. <laughs> I'll say that. And the guy comes into jail and talks to Skarsgård and says, all right, here's the deal. The punishment for your crime is execution. But we love tourism money and we've made an excellent deal with the United States. We have a machine here that develops an exact clone copy of yourself. And we'll just kill that clone. But you have to watch it happen. That's the only stipulation. You got to be there for it. Mm -hmm. And then as the movie goes along, these rich people discover there's no consequences to their actions. They can do whatever they want. They just keep cloning and murdering the clones throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. And that leads to some shenanigans that I'm not going to spoil for anyone. Mm-hmm. That concept sounds pretty fucking dark and rad, right? Yeah. They fumble it. <laughs> they fumble it big time. But it just and, sounds like Westworld. <laughs> kind of. And look, I don't think the movie's terrible. Mm-hmm. I think it really creatively swung for the fences. And to me, it struck out. Mm-hmm. But not to everyone. I'm sure there's people that are going to love it. To me, though, more of an interesting concept than execution. And I'm going to say, for me personally, not a recommend. Mm-hmm. Would you have any interest in, I know one of his first movies is called Possessor. I'd be interested in seeing I it. I think it just came out on Hulu. I was curious if, like, yeah. if you were intrigued enough to want to watch like his first thing. I would be. I would yeah. be intrigued to watch it because the style of the film is not necessarily what I hated. Mm-hmm. I just think that style with this story didn't work. Okay. And I'd, I'd be more than open to watching that film. Like, Do you think there's a good R minus shock value movie in it? Yeah. Or do you think it needs the shock? No, no. I mean, the shock wasn't really what was wrong with it. It, it was just mm-hmm. the... 
it's hard to put it's hard to do it without spoiling it yeah but the decisions it goes and the questions it wants you to ask it keeps repeating beats mm-hmm. and not moving the story forward it keeps being stagnant okay and it's stagnant for the sake of let me show you my style but we're gonna stop the movie to show you the style real ways when the movie was moving along with the style it was working mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah but yeah there's something in the water at the Cronenberg house, isn't there? Oh, yeah. There's, there's, there's <laughs> definitely something going on. But, yeah. Um, have you guys seen Infinity Pool? Did you like Infinity Pool more than I did? Maybe you didn't. Let us know in the comments what you thought about the movie. And uh, there, there's an- another section we're going to start adding to the show where we kind of keep it more relaxed and laid back and just kind of talked about what we watched last week. So, Nick, what did you watch last week? So, I'm behind, actually. So, I'm one episode behind on Last of Us, which I'm hoping okay. to catch up with for mm-hmm. this week. Which and I haven't started watching at all, just because I've been behind on everything. And the new Jason Siegel show, Shrinking, came out. Oh, I heard I about have, this. I plan on watching the first episode tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of catch-up, or just watching in general, uh, I had a really busy week this week, so not mm-hmm. much. I rewatched um Ant-Man of the Wasp Quantum... Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Just yeah. Ant-Man and the Wasp. <laughs> um, in anticipation for Ant-Man yeah. and the Wasp Quantumania. Yeah. Uh, solid. I still like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also watched the uh, Sea Beast, which okay. is the Netflix yeah. one that's yeah. nominated for uh, Best Animated Feature. How was that? I don't know why it's nominated. Okay. Really? It's not bad. A few, few thoughts on it. Actually, Kyler and I got into a uh, text debate over it. Um. And I did it halfway through the movie, so I didn't know how it ended. Yeah. The animation is, is nice. The story's kind of eh. Their climax is very anticlimactic. But there was no climax to justify the ending. Okay. If that makes sense. Kind of. They kind of just capture a sea beast. And then there's like a lot of talking at the end. Mm-hmm. But, like, the way they capture the sea beast is super quick and dumb. Gotcha. So had that been, like, an epic thing, then you can get, I think, the the talking ending. Yeah. Because I did like it, but nothing justified that as a climax. I gotcha. Underwhelming. Underwhelming. Minions Rise of Gru should have been nominated. (laughs) I stand by it. What did Kyler think of it? He also did not like it. Okay. Yeah. And, again, I think... I think he gave it like one and a half stars on Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. And I was I was only halfway through the movie and I'm like, I just disagree so far. Yeah. And finishing it, I don't I still disagree. I think it's a little higher than that. Yeah. But not it's not like a three and a half, I don't think. I gotcha. You know? Okay. Cool. Cool. Um Yeah, I think that's everything I watched this week. Again, super busy this week, so I didn't really get yeah. a chance to sit down. I had a whole a lot. lot going on with Infinity Pool and my car breaking down <laughs> and stuff. So the only thing I watched this week was uh a season of Survivor from like 2005. <laughs> uh, Hannah sometimes will watch Survivor because it's the only reality type show that I'll make it through. Mm-hmm. She won't watch Wipeout with me. <laughs> but, but, That's uh, the best one. I know. But uh, we're watching like season 16 and it's like the newcomers, like new people doing Survivor and like the two tribes were like the newcomers and it was um people who had done the show before but they mm-hmm. weren't winners they just had done the show before it was oh, okay. fans versus favorites that's what it was called and uh it's been and like for you know for a survivor it's been fun it's been good we have three episodes left we'll probably finish it this week mm-hmm. still haven't finished andor How? listen listen i want to Th- this is not <laughs> something where it's like oh i'm just i no, try I know. I know. so many times throughout my week we're like all right this wednesday night like i'm gonna sit down and i'm gonna watch fucking andor i'm gonna fucking finish it because I love it so far. And then 
something will come up like, oh, let's have a meeting. Can you do Wednesday night? And I'm like, fucking motherfucker. Like, fine, I'll do Wednesday. <laughs> but it's just, it keeps, it keeps happening. I will finish it before Mandalorian comes out. Mm-hmm. I will finish it. Oh, you know what else I watched? I watched the first episode of season two of the Mighty Ducks Game Changers. How was that? Emilio's not on the show anymore. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Why am I watching Mighty Ducks if yeah. I'm not there for Emilio? Uh-huh. Our boy did cameo again in the first episode, though. He did? Oh, yeah. Good. Oh, yeah. Good, not good, not good. Emilio. Eldon. Eldon. Yeah. 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 Foggy Nelson, maybe. <laughs> he showed up. I was like, good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, Put I got, I got Victoria uh, hooked on Daredevil. She's already started season three. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were talking about, like, I'm like, yeah, they really haven't said if it, if the new one's going to be canon or not. And she goes, her first question out of her mouth, are they going to recast Foggy? <laughs> I was like, I hope not. He's the best. Yeah, He's incredible. Yeah. Amazing. Um, but yeah, man, I, I'm going to try to watch some other movies. Uh, I know that new Eddie Murphy, Jenna Hill movie is out on Netflix, and I'm going to try yeah. to I'm going to try to watch that. Uh, Tar just came to Peacock. I'm gonna. Did it really? Yeah. Okay. Somehow Peacock won that streaming war. Listen, it's good, man. You're gonna love it. Something else just came out. Let me check my watch. Mm -hmm. And by the way, while he's looking that up, the reason why I want to say the reason why we kind of wanted to do this segment, it was inspired by a good friend of ours, a good friend of the show, named Benoit Lamoureux, who has his own 10 minute podcast, audio only, on your podcasting app. Jesus Christ, your podcasting platform app of choice. Wow. It's called the Rec Room, R-E-C Room. It kind of looks like the Blockbuster logo. He's an amazing graphic designer. It looks phenomenal. Um, It is a, I'm not just saying this because he's my friend. I would tell him to his face if his show was ass. It's a really, really great, it's only 10 minutes long, and he just kind of goes through everything he watched the week before. And I was a bit inspired by that and kind of made it a little bit of a segment on our show where we just talked about things we've watched. But Ben, it's a killer show. Keep it going. And I will leave links to it in the description below. All of you guys should check out The Rec Room. It's really fun. And if you don't like us talking about it, tell us and go watch The Rec Room Room. as well. (laughs) Yes. Still watch that regardless. Go watch his no matter what. Oh, and by the way, uh, we won't say what it is just in case plans change, things happen, and we don't get to see the early screening. But we did get an early screening to see an upcoming movie. And we will have the review out before the movie comes out if we get there on time and we see the movie. And there's no embargo that they didn't tell us about. Yes, that would be unfortunate because yeah. I have been in a room before where right before they were like, by the way, you can't talk about it. And it's mm-hmm. like, ah, fuck. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, it's, uh, it is one of the upcoming movies. And hopefully by Wednesday or Thursday, you'll see a review on here. And if not, that means we didn't see it. <laughs> that's <laughs> so fair. Just be ready for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's all we had for the, sh- the show today, man. I think so too. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for checking us out, and we will see you very soon.